for tuning into another episode of Teen Gen Talks podcast, where the goal is to empower the youth of Glendale and connect youth to community resources, individuals, and organizations through interviews and discussions. I'm your host, Melissa. And I'm Desiree. And we had the pleasure of talking to Grace Shim. Grace grew up in Tulsa, Oklahoma as one of two Korean Americans at her high school. Her sister was the other one. Today, Grace writes books with Korean American protagonists that she wished she had read about as a teen, including the claim the No family. When she's not plotting the writing kind, not the world domination kind, you can find her wearing a Korean sheet mask, baking French macaroons, and unintentionally killing houseplants and succulents. She lives in the Bay Area with her husband and three kids. We hope you enjoy this interview. Thank you, Grace, for taking the time out of your, out of your day to talk with us. We have a lot to discuss. Of course, I'm so excited to be here. So to start off the interview, you grew up in Tulsa, Oklahoma. What was your experience like living there, especially as one of two Korean Americans there? Um, yeah, I did grow up in Tulsa, Oklahoma, like my character. Um, and, you know, um, I um, I try to infuse a lot of that in the character that I wrote, but um, when I was I grew up in Tulsa. I was actually born there too. So um, for much of my life, I didn't know anything else. Um, and I think when that realization came that I was, it was, you know, um, obviously I was different if I was one of a, just a handful of Asians at my school. But I think the reality really hit me when I switched schools around seventh or eighth grade. I can't remember. I think it was eighth grade. Um, and when I did that, I it kind of, I had to recalibrate. Um, and at that school, I was really one of two Asian, two Koreans um, because it was a private school. So it was much smaller. And um, my sister was the other Korean um, American. So it's not like we had a community, um, but you know, I think it really did make me reflect on what made me feel different at a different school um, and what made my transition there a lot less smooth than, um, you know, another person who transferred the same year who wasn't Korean American or who, or who wasn't POC. Um, and I think it really was isolating. And it really, I think, um, though I may have felt uh, different my whole life living there, I think it really impacted me in a deeper way in middle school. And so, um, yeah, I think it was uh, definitely helped shape and inform a lot of my ideas of what it was to be a Korean American um, and to also, uh, you know, have later on in life deal with the idea that, you know, I had a lot of internalized racism that I was battling um, later on as a young adult and, you know, even into my adulthood. What was your relationship with books and writing in general? Oh, that's a good question. So I, I loved writing. I actually did really excel, I think, um, in, you know, not to be anti-stereotype, but I do always like to point it out. I was not one of those like super math, you know, have math uh, accelerated Asian kids. <laughs> um, though I did okay in math, it was not something that was like clearly something I excelled in. It was actually reading and writing. Um, and I did do really well uh, with my writing assignments. Um, and uh, I think part of the problem with, you know, um, growing up, though, 
as an in an Asian American family is that writing is never really considered a viable career option. So I always just saw it as a tool to help me get, you know, the assignments done or to get me the next step in education, but not really anything that I could use as a practical career in the future. Um, so I did gravitate towards writing as a young child. Now reading was really interesting because, you know, um, I think there's more um, characters that look like, you know, me uh, in books for the young um, audience today. But when I was growing up, there certainly wasn't anything like that. Um, and an interesting writing um, memory that I have was uh, when I was in ninth grade, I wrote, um, I think we did memoir or something. We did some kind of like personal writing and I wrote about my dad's experience growing up in Korea during the war. And the first thing my teacher said to me was, oh, this is very Joy Luck Club. You know, like he he compared it to like really the only other Asian um, Asian book, mainstream Asian book in the US market. Um, and so that's pretty much what it was growing up was that was our own baseline for um, writing Asian stories. Um, so as you can imagine, growing up here in Oklahoma, I didn't really have um, any connections to thinking, oh, I could write the next you know, Asian American book. Like it was never something that I aspired to do from a young age. Um, and do you remember when the first thought of you considering wanting to become an author um, happened? I do. I went back to school to be, um, uh, I think like when I was like 24, um, I went back to grad school to pursue my master's in early childhood education. Um, and I wanted to teach young kids. So pre-K through second, um, that was my sweet spot. And um, one of my, um, one of our assignments, I went to this uh, really small, um, it was a small intensive program um, that condensed my master's program in teaching education in one year. So we had this small cohort of like, um, I want to say 10, 10 graduate students, and we all came from different walks of life, and um, some were straight out of college, and some were parents, you know, and, and I was somewhere in the middle, but um, one of our uh, assignments was to present ourselves as, you know, um, it, multiple different aspects of our lives. I can't even remember how this tied to the curriculum, actually, when I think about it, but I was teaching kindergarten and kindergarten is a grade where books are often used to um, tie in a lot of themes, you know, um, especially picture books. Um, and I was uh, doing my student teaching in kindergarten. So one of the themes in kindergarten was all about me. And I thought it was really appropriate for me to maybe make a big board book of all about me. And it was about me. Um, so I, you know, story about myself with no, no seriousness in mind. I was literally trying to do this project and I, I illustrated it simply and I, you know, it was pretty large and I presented it to the group and I remember it being such a big hit. Um, and, uh, I, you know, again, I was just doing the assignment. I wasn't really looking for writing encouragement. <laughs> I was looking to get a good grade on this assignment and the director pulled me aside and she was like, you should really uh, think of writing children's books. And I was like, ha ha. Okay, sure. You know, like I'm here literally trying to get my master's in education and teach kids, yeah. not write kids' books. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I think as time went on, that really planted a seed in me um, and it grew and it developed. Um, and it wasn't until recently, like recently, meaning like five or six years ago, that I actually had the thought in my head that 
maybe I should really try this um, and, and took a stab at it. So going into the publishing world, what was that journey like for you? Um, long. Because <laughs> 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 I do know, um, and the more authors you talk to, I'm sure you hear so many different stories about how people have gotten into publishing um, their first books and um, whatnot. But and in my head, I feel like it was like the longest journey, but I'm sure it's really not that long relative to some other authors as well. Um, but, you know, like I said, I, I had the idea maybe five or six years ago, and really I had to have all of my career options taken away from me to even consider it too, because at that point I just had my third child. Um, you know, I had decided to be a stay-at-home mom because I felt like my specialty was with young children. And I thought, you know, I'm having my own kids. I should be with them while they're young. So, um, you know, by your third one, you're, <laughs> you know, with um, just, just, that's all I have every day in and day out. I have my kids and I felt like I needed something for myself. I didn't have, you know, I was so far from being in a classroom. I hadn't been in one in so long. And even further from being at a desk job or, you know, a real career. And so really all I had was my ideas in my head. And um, I do think that the stories, you know, and it's not really, I get a lot of questions about like, oh, are you an avid reader? And, you know, I do like to read, but I think, I think more than my love of reading, fueling my passion for writing is my love of stories. I just love to like think of stories because you know, and I don't mean to scare off parenthood or make it seem like I hated being, I hate being a parent because I, you know, there's absolute joys to it, but a lot of it, especially when they're younger is so monotonous, you know, and it's just, you're in your head all the time. You have to kind of create something, you know, stimulating for yourself. Otherwise it becomes really just, you know, <laughs> tiresome day in and day out tiresome so I did have a lot of stories that I thought like oh gosh this would be amazing you know obviously in my head um it would anything would be amazing to me at that time but I did really have an inspiration for this story and I was like I'm gonna write it and see where it takes me and um you know it was one of those moments where I was running before I knew how to crawl or walk um so I just like vomited the story out um, on a word doc that just went on for pages and um, I had a story with pretty much no plot and some character development <laughs> but you know it was so fun for me to have something to look forward to and to get into like other people's minds and live their lives and I think it was an escape for me at first and then the more I learned about it the more I realized oh there's so many steps I need to take and so many people who have been like classically trained or, you know, by going to school and having an undergraduate degree in it and doing it for years. And um, I'm coming in at it at a really amateur perspective. So I think I um, that was just a fun like activity to kind of get my feet wet. But um, what really I felt like I really needed was a crash course in it. So I then started to look into um, mentorship programs that were online. Um, I didn't really have time. And also I got the feedback that it wasn't really necessary to go back to school, you know, to pursue this. I mean, it was something that you could do if you wanted to, but it's not a prerequisite or requirement to be an author. Um, so I didn't necessarily have that time, but I felt like a mentorship would have been a great way for me to get um, 
you know, kind of like a crash course in it. And um, so I did my first mentorship. I, I submitted for my first mentorship program, which was Author Mentor Match. Um, and I got in uh, round four. Um, and then uh, the, uh, two years later, I did Pitch Wars, um, which was also amazing. And um, could you talk a little bit more about the inspiration behind your debut novel? Um, so, like I said, I did the two um, mentorship programs. The first one was for a manuscript that, um, yeah, nothing happened to that one. <laughs> um, it went into the manuscript graveyard, but, you know, oftentimes I talk about that manuscript as a manuscript that taught me how to write. Um, you know, I wrote, yeah, I, I finished writing it without knowing, I think, based off of what I knew from reading and, you know, watching stories on, you know, different, um, different mediums like TV and movies. Um, so I just wrote that story. And then through that, I learned that, um, you know, I needed to have more character development and states and plots and um, things like that. So I learned a lot about story structure through that. Um, my second book that I um, entered Pitch Wars with, um, so that had a lot more um, craft involved in it. And I, you know, I, I, Pitch Wars is no longer a thing now, but um, at the end of Pitch Wars, there's an agent showcase. Um, so the end goal of that is to get an agent with which in traditional publishing, they don't accept submissions generally without having an agent. So that's that's the first step to getting published. Yeah. So there are obviously other ways you can publish, self-publish or um, go to a smaller press. But if you wanted to be um, published, especially at a you know major house, um, an agent is, is pretty much the first step to getting your foot in the door. Um, and so I, after having a lot of, you know, excitement and hype over the initial pitch of my book that also did not get picked up by any agents and so it was back to the I was really kind of like ah oh, you know I hit this crossroads of am I going to work on this or am I going to maybe give up or do I keep working or what do I do right um, and then that was the year because that was February 2020 when I was trying to get an agent which as we know that you know I think yeah. March 2020 is a very like ingrained in everyone's uh, heads um, <laughs> as a pivotal moment in, in, yeah, our lives now. But um, I, I just, uh, everybody pulled back and it was a good time for me to take a break. Publishing kind of was just really unstable. Um, and during that time, my sister actually had taken a 23andMe test for fun. <laughs> um, and you know how those work out, you know? Um, so. Uh, and, and surprisingly enough, she, we did get an email or she did get an email from someone who was like, Hey, we're relatives. And we had literally, we had no idea who this person was. So, um, that was sort of the inception of where the no fam, the idea of the no family came from. Um, we, we did discover, um, these relatives that we've never met before, but it, it's definitely not that shocking. Um, it was just, uh, someone who we never met, but you know, my, when we brought it up to my parents, they're like, "Oh yes, we know who these people are." But um, you know, as I said, I love stories and the potential of where. And my mind was already racing about, "Oh my gosh!" And 
Um, it was a time when I was watching a lot of Korean dramas too. So naturally my head kind of was like, oh, can you imagine if, you know, this happened, then this happened. And my sister was no help because she was feeling me. She was like, oh my gosh, yeah. And this and this and this. <laughs> and um, she, she knew I was struggling with my other manuscript. So she's like, put that aside, write this. And I wrote this, I wrote The No Family, which is my debut novel, which, you know, for those who haven't read it is um, about a girl who takes a 23andMe test and discovers family she never knew about. Ooh, that sounds very, um, very familiar, right? Um, and I wrote that in two months and I revised it in one month and I um, then pitched it on DV Pit, which is um, a pitch contest on Twitter. Um, and I got a bunch of interest from agents. And then two weeks later, I got an agent. So I, after that, it just snow, it went really quickly. So that was um, the long story that you might not have expected on how I got the No Family <laughs> out there. And what have you learned during this whole process of becoming a published author? I've learned and I can, um, because now I've talked about my um, journey to publishing. Um, I've learned that having a book being published is really not the end goal, <laughs> I think, because, um, or I'm just, I, I guess what the surprising part is that like, you know, for so long, I just wanted a published book. And I remember like joking about it with my writer friends, like, oh, I don't care if anyone reads it. I just want it to be, I want it to be published. You know, I want it to be on the bookshelves and blah, blah, blah. You make all these kinds of like um, deals and bargains in your head. Like no one has to buy it. It just needs to be, you know, a book that's published. <laughs> but then, you know, posts you realize keep moving and you quickly forget about kind of like what it was that you really you know the accomplishments that you've made in publishing so for so long I just wanted that book to be published and then um it the you know when it gets released and even leading up closer to it you start to realize no I don't want just a book published I want I want it to be you know phenomenal success or I want it to be like you know on every like list or you know you have these other things that you want and I think that's really um it's really hard to imagine when you're like an aspiring author that you have like feelings of letdown and moments of sadness um in the process when all you're thinking is you have a book deal you should be happy with that um but there are definitely struggles along the way and um, maintaining that, you know, excitement is, is often not as easy as it looks, um, looking in from the outside. So I think, you know, for those who are aspiring writers, especially to know that, like, um, uh, it's good to have like a perspective on like, um, what else, what you want from publishing or what you want from the writing journey, um, that is more sustainable than just that one book deal, because that one book deal is like, as great as it is, and I'm not going to downplay it, it really is pretty pivotal moment in my life and most authors' lives. Um, it's really not enough to sustain you as a, a writer to keep fueling your um, inspiration and motivation to keep writing. What do you hope readers feel whenever they read your book or any future books by you? I really hope they feel um, a, some sense of connection to um, the story, you know, whether or not it's a feeling of. Um, um, being a fish out of water, because that's often something that I felt 
growing up. So that's like a theme in, um, in that will be a theme in all of the books that I write, just because that's the place of authenticity that I can write. Um, and I, I really hope that if, uh, you know, people who don't identify themselves with the way my main character looks, maybe they can identify with the main character in the way that they feel. Um, and being a fish out of water doesn't necessarily mean being like a minority group. It can also just feel like, you know, um, just not fitting in, you know, and that's something that's a universal um, feeling with teens all around the world. Um, and not just feeling a connection to the um, main character or someone in the story, but I do hope that they finish the book with a feeling of you know, hope or joy. Um, because at the end of the day, you know, I want, I want kids to know that like your darkest moments can sometimes feel like it's going to be like for the rest of your life, but like, just to know that that's just a moment in your life. And there's definitely, you know, highs and lows, um, to look, but definitely highs to look forward to. Did you ever feel an underlying pressure to represent your community through your books? Yes, that's a great question. I do. Um, I think um, as authors, we feel like we're, and this is a lot of conversations that I'm having with other author friends that are, you know, uh, POC, not just Asian, but underrepresented or marginalized communities. We do often feel this amount of pressure from both ends, basically, like, um, write, we want, you know, you to write we want more diversity, but we only want this type of diversity, you know, like a specific type of diversity. Um, and, um, you know, and I'll give you an example, that book that didn't sell was um, for me, that didn't get an agent, um, was race, is a book about racism and about how um, a teenage girl wants to pursue mainstream American music and the mainstream and music mainstream American music industry is not, um, uh, doesn't see an Asian lead in a band being marketable, right? Um, so it's a type of racism book. Um, and it just was not a very, it's, it's a book that they thought was really um, interesting and important, but not enough to take it on. And so I kind of felt like, okay, it has to be type racism book for them wants it right like um so I really like something tragic someone has to die or someone has to be you know violence or something so I realized um very early on that they didn't want just a certain type of Asian book they wanted or I mean they didn't want any representation they wanted a certain type of um representative book and um so when I wrote the no family there was a little bit of resistance from myself because I felt like they wanted a um, book about um, tropes and a book about Korean dramas because it was very um, what is it called um, it was like a trend and I think it was so popular and Korean dramas had become so popularized at that time I felt like that was something I was a little selling out you know because it didn't feel like my typical book that I wanted to write um, and so part of me was resistant to writing it because I didn't want to write to a certain trope or a certain trend that was going on, but I couldn't resist this like 
you know, personal connection that I had to it. And so I really tried to put my own unique spin to it and um, put it out there. And I do sometimes, um, I have a love-hate feeling with the, um, the way the book is being pitched, you know, if I'm being candid, uh, the book is always being pitched as a, if you love K-dramas. And, you know, I, I kind of cringe at that because it's like, if you love K-dramas, are you going to like this book? And, you know, and also like they're kind of um, trying to, you know, latch onto that audience that is that wave, that K-drama wave too. So I feel like, please just read this book. <laughs> you know, if you like a good story, please read this book. Like, um, but you know, that's, it's not their fault. It's, it's the way things are right now. So I, I kind of, there's an awareness factor that I understand. Um, and then there's this feeling of just wanting to write books that aren't issues books. Like, do they always have to represent my culture? Can I just write a romantic comedy without having to insert like identity issues and race issues? But, um, you know, I, for now, you know, I'm glad it's part of the discussion, um, but I'm always gonna write a book that is something meaningful to me. Um, so uh, that's not gonna change. And um, I really hope that, I'll still continue, I'll be able to continue to write books and um, editors will want to buy books like the ones that I write. Um, and the good news is, is that that book that didn't get picked up about the girl that wanted to pursue music is actually my book too. So it, it will be coming out and I was able to sneak it in there. And we are having um, an amazingly um, great time, me and my editor are having an amazing time rewriting it and, you know, getting it ready for, you know, it to come out too. before we end we have some rapid fire questions the okay. first question is what is your favorite color I go through seasons of colors but right now it's green i don't know if you guys can tell but um i do the green i love it when are you the happiest um when am i the happiest no i i won't lie when i have my first cup of coffee in the morning um i do feel like that's like something that fuels me and i need it and it just makes me feel good knowing what you know now what advice would you give your 18 year old self hmm yeah just trust yourself a little bit more things will be great and just be more confident what is a book that you have recently read or currently reading that you would recommend oh, okay so I actually was I was kind of surprised by how much I love this book I knew I was going to like it but I didn't know I loved I would love it this much but a lesbiana's guide to catholic school because I think the author they do such a great job of um injecting relatability humor um and just you know, um, just like a lot of emotions mm. in a lighthearted, in a easily digestible way for a teen, especially mm. because it's, it's a lot of heavy topic topics that she kinds of goes, or they kind of go over. Um, so I definitely recommend it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Grace. We learned a lot about you. Thank you for taking your time out of your day to sit down with us and talk. Can you let everyone at home know about any upcoming projects and where they could connect with you? Yes. Um, like I said, my book too is going to be coming out. I think it did get pushed to spring 2024 though, unfortunately. So it might be a little while, but I would love for you, anyone to, um, stay up to date with any updates I have on it and future projects, um, on Instagram or Twitter. Those are the easiest ways to follow me. Um, on Instagram, I'm GK Shim writes, um, on Twitter, I'm grace misplaced one um, and also you could find me on my website um, you can email me through the form on there which is gkwrites.com 
Awesome. Well, once again, thank you so much. We really enjoyed um, getting to know you and thank you so much for doing this. Um, we really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. This was a lot of fun. Did you enjoy this episode? I'm sure you did. Don't forget to follow us on our socials on Facebook and Instagram at MyGlendaleLAC. And follow us on Spotify and Apple or anywhere where you get your podcast from at Team Gen Talks. Also, make sure to give us a like and subscribe to the YouTube channel, Glendale Library Arts and Culture, where we post the full video episodes every Friday at 4.30 p.m.